hope you're writing this down. I'm gonna test you later. I'm getting tested. Times are tough on this bodega. Two months ago, somebody bought Ortegas. Our neighbors started packing up and picking up, and ever since the rest went up, it's gotten mad expensive. But we live with just enough in the heights. I flip the lights and start my Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about In the Heights and I am joined by my Lin-Manuel Miranda correspondents, Adam Lichtenstein and Daniel Lima, who I'm sure loves that title. How's it going, guys? I'm very proud. (laughs) Noted Lin-Manuel Miranda and Daniel Lima. Yes, so I had to reconvene them. Guys, it's actually been like almost exactly a year uh, since we did the podcast on the Disney Plus Hamilton. Because I I opened up the same Skype chat and like freaking... Time just freaking flies, unfortunately. And uh, so just it's just so happy because that came out in June of last year and just so happens in the Heights, uh, Lynn Mel Miranda's uh, debut Broadway play uh, came out just a couple weeks ago as of the week and a half ago as of the time we're recording this. So I wanted to uh, get them to come back together and talk about how they enjoyed this because um, see how uh, see how their reactions compared to Hamilton, though I promise it won't be just us saying Hamilton this, this, that versus this, that, that for the whole time. Uh, but I was definitely curious to see how uh, both Daniel and Adam reacted to it because they had polar opposite reactions to Hamilton. In the Heights, as I said, was uh, the first uh, kind of the first uh, play that Lin-Manuel Branda broke out with in the uh, in the it was like I guess it came out in like 2008, 2009, 2010, sometime in that mm-hmm. range. Uh, it tells the story of you know it's a more personal story for him because he's from Washington Heights, which is you know located in Manhattan. Uh, it stars Anthony Ramos as uh, Usnavi de la Vega, who you know runs a little corner store and uh, one day dreams of moving back to his native Dominican Republic. Though he hasn't lived there since he was eight years old, and he's kind of been saving up to buy land that his uh, dad once owned there. And uh, he's kind of like our point of entry character, again, played by Anthony Ramos. Uh, but there, the, the, the play follows a bunch of different characters. There's uh, Vanessa, who is somewhat of a love interest for Usnavi, who wants to kind of move downtown in New York and become a fashion designer. There is uh, Nina, played by Leslie Grace, uh, who you know has gone off to college at Stanford, but uh, seems like she might be wanting to come home after bad experiences there. Her father is played by Jimmy Smith, who has very high hopes for her. There's Corey Dawkins, who plays Benny, who is a love interest of Nina. And uh, there's also um, uh, Abuela, played by Olga Martinez, who's kind of like an elderly figure that, you know, kind of oversaw a bunch of these kids uh, throughout their time uh, growing up. And there's a bunch of other side characters played by actors that people have seen before. You know, Stephanie Beatrice from Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Dasha Polanco from Orange is the New Black play people that work in the same hair salon as Vanessa, along with Daphne Rubin Vega, who owns the salon. Lin-Manuel Miranda himself plays a street vendor. And uh, yeah, there's just, there's just a um, – it, it kind of takes you into this neighborhood and you learn a lot about these people and, you know – that's the that's the show, and now it is a movie that is directed by uh, John M. Chu, who some of you might know from uh, directing 2018's Crazy Rich Asians, but he also did stuff like Step Up and a movie that I have a soft spot for, Gem and the Holograms. So a lot of pedigree behind uh, this big venture that was, you know, uh, a very big release in that, like, it did go out on HBO Max, but I think it's one of the first big releases since theaters have opened up. Uh, Daniel, I'm going to start with you because I'm very curious to hear what you have to say about this movie. I know you're still processing it. 
it. But uh, again, when we talked a year ago, uh, you were fairly negative on Hamilton, which is a movie, which is a piece of pop culture that has uh, nearly like a nearly universally positive approval rating. And uh, you're just kind of down on Lin Manuel Miranda in general. But I know you were still mildly intrigued by this movie as someone that really loved Crazy Rich Asians and uh, probably just assumed that like, look, I can't like it less than I liked Hamilton. So I want to know what was your initial reaction to In the Heights? I begrudgingly liked it. Look, <laughs> look. End the podcast. <laughs> Great talk. <laughs> look, I did ultimately end up enjoying it. I, I think there's a lot of caveats to how much I enjoyed it, but actually, unlike Hamilton, I think these are more structural issues than they are, um, like the message, what the movie is trying to say, and what it means. Part of that might simply be because in the Heights just doesn't have the same recognition that Hamilton does, doesn't have the same kind of overwhelming positive uh, praise. It wasn't like a cultural phenomenon for the nation's elites. So like perhaps that's part of why I went ended up being a little more positive on this one. But yeah, ultimately I was going, I went in with somewhat high hopes because I do really like John Chu. I remember watching Crazy Rich Asians and seeing all these little things that he did telling this you know fairly standard rom-com story and i was like oh this guy is actually kind of a visionary like i want to see this guy tackle um a blockbuster musical and turns out he does so i went in kind of hoping i mean i was really doubtful about the music and all but we can get into that a little bit later ultimately i i ended up enjoying it a fair bit um i thought that it was a really at times very sweet portrait of a very you know idiosyncratic unique culture and cultural heritage and tradition and i thought that it did a good job painting a community the community that it meant to depict with some pitfalls along the way sure and i'm i'm looking forward to hearing uh hearing you elaborate on that more and one thing i want to before i go to adam one thing i want to mention is that there's been like a lot of talk guys i don't know if you've seen this about how it did at the box office and i really have no interest in that conversation you know it's just like it feels so weird that i mean i guess there were high expectations for it to reopen theaters but as daniel said this wasn't the cultural phenomenon that hamilton was you know and like musicals sometimes can go one way or the other as far as how big they are and when you factor in that we're still coming out of the pandemic they put this thing on hbo max right to begin with and 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 just that it, it wasn't really that well known, even if Lin Manuel Miranda himself is fairly well known. I just don't think it's like a huge deal, so I don't really feel the need to spend a lot of time talking about it. I am curious to talk about, the, you know, the theater going experience of it for you guys, and uh, and I know Adam has since rewatched it on streaming, so he has a point of comparison for that. I haven't rewatched the whole thing, but like I think that that that's what makes it complicated and kind of you know comparing it to how I felt about Hamilton because I never actually even saw Hamilton on the stage either so I was really only going off of my Disney Plus experience um Adam I know like you saw Hamilton and you loved it and I think you you probably went back I'm guessing you went back at some point and revisited the In the Heights soundtrack so I'm curious uh even though you might not have ever seen it I I I believe you you did see Hamilton at some point when it came here right as a play yeah, I saw Hamilton when they came down to Fort Lauderdale uh, with the traveling cast. Right. I've never seen In the Heights, though. Yeah, so I'm guessing you'd heard In the Heights, though. So I'm curious, as someone that maybe was at least familiar with some of the music, uh, what were your expectations going in, and how did it translate to the screen for you? Um, I mean, I in general, I really liked it. Um, and most of my, like, I guess complaints are kind of nitpicks, like songs they cut and stuff like that. Um, overall, I thought, you know, like, actually two of my favorite songs got cut. Ooh. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not the worst thing, and they're kind of extreme. Uh, extraneous i guess um but i was a little bummed by that but otherwise i mean i thought they did a pretty good job translating it from what i saw 
or what I'd listened to before to you know to the to a movie version of it. Right, and and, and overall, you were very happy with just the, the movie product as a whole beyond the music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I didn't. I wasn't. I wouldn't give it a ten. I, I thought it was good. I definitely liked it. Yeah, you know, the one thing I'll say. I think that I, I honestly really enjoyed the story, and like I, th- I said when we did the Hamilton podcast, like I, I enjoyed the uh, Aaron Burr arc of it probably more than anything else in it. I, I think I, I found something to relate to with a lot of these characters, even if I, you know, I grew up very differently from them in a very different place from them. I like the overall theme of like Daniel said. I think they set this place up really well, and uh, it first of all, it was just fun to look at. You know, like I, I'm sure I would enjoy Hamilton more if I saw it in a theater and I was just engaged in that way. But it's it's hard when it's something's that long and you're just watching it on your computer. Uh, here, I I was very immersed in the setting, and I uh, I think John Chu did a good job of capturing all that. And uh, when you like, you, so you get a good feeling of that place. You understand the complicated feelings all these characters have towards this place. They all have like some level of love for it, and to some extent. For I'd say the three main characters, if you take out Benny, because I don't think he's given quite as much of a story as those other three, uh, as far as the young, the four main young characters or so. Man, I was like, I I kind of feel them. Like I I'm from an area that I like I straight up left. I don't, I didn't go home to where I was from, but like whenever I go back to Pensacola, you know, I I'm like, oh yeah, this is nice. This is maybe even better than I remembered it. I get why I get why people like it here more so than when I made the decision to leave. And I so whenever I watch you know, entertainment about people trying to reckon with how much, how they feel about where they're from, it's going to resonate with me some. So if you give good performances and uh, do a good job of developing the characters, I'm going to be more engaged. So I thought I was like really into the story though. Again, I know I said I wasn't going to compare too much to Hamilton, but I have to say, I don't really know how much the music did it for me. And I didn't this, I wasn't like unhappy when I was sitting there, but I'd say nothing really stuck with me all that much um, from the music. And I, but I liked watching the musical numbers, if that makes sense. I know one mm-hmm. thing you were kind of concerned with, Daniel, was you were just expecting not to like the music and really like the direction. Uh, so would you agree with the statement I made or were, did it kind of surprise you as far as what your expectations were? Well, this is where I have – I'm so annoyed that I have to give this man some credit. <laughs> uh, like here's the thing. I actually do agree with you. Not a lot of the music stuck with me. After the only thing that really stuck with me was one song, ninety six thousand, and it's not for the reasons you might think. I saw this movie in little theater, little theater thirteen at my local Regal with a bunch of teenagers, and when that song started up, and they started rapping lyrics like "I've got it right in front of me," yo, I'm sorry, is that an answer? Shut up, go home, and pull your damn pants up. As for <laughs> you, Mister Frodo from the Shire. 96 G's ain't enough to retire. Come on, I'll have enough to knock your ass off its axis. <laughs> You'll have a knapsack full of jack after taxes. Um, so around that time, all the teenagers got up and left. And I couldn't blame them. That being said, when it's not getting into the, the rapping, honestly, I thought that was actually a fairly interesting uh fairly you know there's a couple bops here you know like good blend of different musical heritages like i'm not a music guy so i can't really break down all the styles of latin music that are employed and how they're i don't know any of that but i could recognize how they're you know fusing hip-hop with latin music with a bit of jazz there's like one moment at the in the first song where uh anthony ramos like helps a tourist and he's like he says 
he tells them to take the A train and he does it to the tune of take the A train, the Duke Ellington song. And I was like, okay, look, I got to give you props there. <laughs> fucking Lynn Memorando, I got to give you some fucking props. There. <laughs> I'm annoyed about it. But yeah, I thought that it was actually a very, very, um, I thought it was pretty good. The music was decent, uh, which make, puts it, you know, leagues above uh, <laughs> Hamilton, which I thought was some of the worst music that I've ever heard. Um, well, see, the thing, I mean, again, I, I kind of disagree on that. And, like, I did enjoy Hamilton more than you. But I remember, like, I had listened to a few of the songs on the Hamilton soundtrack before I ever saw it. And, like, I, I listened to, like, the whole thing once and, like, you know, kept a few of them in my rotation. And, you know, I would revisit, like, maybe four of them. But then – so I was kind of reintroduced to everything after not really having to listen to any of them for three years last year. And then, like, immediately, like – three of them, or at least three or four of them, I can rattle off the top of my head, just like stuck with me, whether it be um, Satisfied, which I know is a big one that for some reason I just never got into before watching it, or um, The Room Where It Happens, or You'll Be Back. And I was like, oh man, like, uh, those are like, those are just like earworms. And I don't know if, you know if there's an earworm in, in the Heights, but that, that, that being said, I think they're all like performed very well, if, if nothing else, and staged well. Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree that they're all staged well. Um, I really love some of the like, you know, there's that penultimate dance scene, I believe, where, you know, they're dancing on the side of the building, and you know, the big num- musical number ninety six thousand. While I I don't like the rapping part of it, um, you know, I love the you know uh, the whole set piece in like the pool. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think there's a lot of really like the the the, the visuals really complement the music very very well i mean that's that john chu touch i guess i haven't seen any of the step up movies but you know they must be great watching this actually i wanted to go back a bit yeah. you just mentioned you were talking when you were talking about um how you really enjoyed the characters and you know how they all flow together i agree up to a point actually this actually gets into what i think is like the largest structural problem of in the heights as a movie hmm. um I do really like a lot of the touches about like, you know, I love when you got these characters together and it's clear how much history they have with each other, how much they care for each other, um, you know, how their frustrations with each other ultimately come from a place of love. I thought that was all really good. I found that many of the individual plots, I don't know, like they just didn't really do it for me. Um, I don't have any affinity for a lot of these characters, Vanessa, Usnavi himself. Um, honestly, the most interesting narrative for me was Nina. I thought that she, her perspective was far. She is the character who goes off to Stanford, then feels out of place and ends up going back home. And she feels disappointed in herself because she's the one who made it out. But also she felt like it was a betrayal. I think that's a very interesting dynamic. Um, that's, I think, more so than pretty much any of the other characters on here by itself. If she was my viewpoint into this neighborhood. I probably would have enjoyed the movie a little bit more. But ultimately, I think it becomes an issue of just so many threads going into this. Every character has their own, you know, struggle. And, like, you know, I appreciate that up to a point. Like, you know, you see movies like um, um, Do the Right Thing, which I think is an obvious comparison piece. Um, And you have all these characters with their own distinct personalities, all with their own ambitions and dreams. And, you know, you get a sense of that and it, it clicks. Um, here it does feel a bit, mm, I don't know, overstuffed. Um, you know, they're, they're, it's a very long movie. It's almost two and a half hours. And there's just so much going on, not only with each of the characters, but, you know, there's this framing device, which I'm not sure how much that adds to the movie. Um, there's this, uh, there's all this, this messaging about, um, gentrification and, uh, uh, the dreamers and, 
I think the movie does bite off a bit more than it can chew narratively. And it made it a little hard for me to connect to the really touching uh, uh, moments about this community and these people interacting with one another because, you know, they ended up being so, I don't know, spread out over the course of the movie. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you, even though I, uh, even though, like I said, I, I really like the characters. And I, I typically sometimes tend to enjoy, like, movies that are, like, do the right things, I think is, like, I think that's I think it's less than like an hour and 45 minutes, you know, like so that's part of one of the incredible things about that movie is how just how well you feel like you get get a sense of everyone in it. And but like I sometimes like movies that are longer that are sprawling that have big casts and not that there's uh, really that much in common between the movies. But like I just when I think of like big epics like that, I think of something like Magnolia or something like that that just has like a like a massive crew of people you're trying to follow around. So I, I, I like getting to know the characters, though I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you that like some storylines end up feeling more underserved compared to others, even if, hey, in isolation, I, I kind of get who most of these people are. Uh, Adam, wh- where do you fall on that? Did you Was there a storyline you felt like you enjoyed following the most and maybe another one that you thought, oh, well, you know, maybe they didn't totally capture the essence of it based on your prior knowledge. Oh, I actually agree with Daniel. Like my favorite um, narrative in the whole in the whole show and the whole movie is is Nina mm. uh, and her family. Um, that's actually the two my two favorite songs that they cut out of the movie are both. One of them is a solo Nina song about Abuela Claudia, which I really like. It's really sad. It makes me cry basically every time. <laughs> uh, I'm a sap. What can I say? And the other one's a song about Nina, kind of, about Nina and her father, called Inutil, uh, which is Spanish for useless, which is all about how her father feels like he's not, like, after struggling so hard, he's failing to, like, you know, help his daughter, basically. Um, That's interesting, because Jimmy Smith really isn't, like, a song and dance man. He's not no. asked, I mean, I like I like that character, I like his performance, but, like, I, he's not asked to do a lot of the singing and dancing, so, I mean, you no, know. That, but... there, was actually, there was actually a and a in the New York Times, like, an interview about that, like, how we kind of like did that role, even though he's not a musical guy. Hmm. Well, I mean, who knows? I mean, it, it, like like we also said, it's like it's almost two and a half hours, so I guess you can't have everything in it. But it, it is yeah. interesting that like you know, that, that's a guy with some name recognition that like they just they cast who probably you wouldn't have wanted to ask to do that, even if he is a good actor. You know, that is interesting though, because I, I think yeah, maybe in isolation, Nina's story might be like the most interesting, like someone that has left the neighborhood already, like she does, that then has to come back and. I I I I kind of liked her story, and I thought they did a lot with her and her dad. Though I think maybe like her and Benny's, her and Benny was like, I don't know. For some reason, that felt like it was lacking a little more to me than the whole Usnavi and Vanessa thing. I don't know why that is, but like I felt like I, and maybe it's just because Benny wasn't like you didn't get as much of a sense of who, what who he was besides the fact he worked at there, her father's there business. Is, there's there's more tension in it. If I remember, I haven't listened to the whole soundtrack in a long time because to go back to talk about the music, like I enjoy the music for Hamilton more. Um, so I I haven't listened to the whole soundtrack nearly as much as I did, to ha- did with Hamilton when I was like really into Hamilton 2016 2017 mm. um so like if I remember right in the musical there's more tension in that relationship because um if I remember right Nina's parents don't really want her seeing Benny because he's not Hispanic mm-hmm. um and in, in the musical both her, her mother's alive as well um in the movie, they just kind of cut her character entirely, but she's not like a, a big character or anything, but she's in there. But if I remember that correctly, it's like they didn't, they didn't want them dating because he wasn't Hispanic or something like that. And so there was a little more tension in there, I guess. I got you. Yes. I mean, there might've been a little bit more to that that made it feel, you know, a little more complicated. Cause I mean, I guess we're, we're led to believe he just, you know, he didn't want to hold her back 
that was kind of like what the movie implies is why they would have broken up. Though I, I don't know if you really get the greatest sense of what their relationship was before. Though you, they, I mean, it's clear they have history, but I was like, huh, I don't. I, I, I just had a little trouble like getting invested in that, maybe in which is odd compared to the Usnavi and Vanessa thing because they had very little history and were just kind of like at the start of something. I don't know, but uh, that, that that is interesting to hear you kind of say that like uh, they they took a little bit away from that storyline. But how, how do you feel? I mean, Usnavi is the point of entry character, I guess, and we really haven't even spent that much time talking about him, Adam. So how do you feel the movie did in kind of in capturing his essence and uh, telling his story? Um, I mean, pretty good. Uh... I have no complaints. I think Anthony Ramos did a pretty good job. Um, I liked him when he was in Hamilton. Um, I liked him in this. Uh, so I, I really, I mean, I don't have any complaints, but he, I found one thing, one thing about the character that kind of annoyed me is that I think they made him older in the movie. And that's probably because Anthony Ramos was a little bit older. Uh, How old like, is he supposed to be? I think he's supposed to be like early twenties. I think in the musical, I could be wrong. Oh. I, again, I've not listened to the whole thing all the way through in a long time, gotcha. but in the movie, he says something like, I'm almost 30. And I'm like, then why are Benny and Nina talking about hanging out with you when they were, like, in high school and you were, like, 27, I guess? Oh, right, because she's supposed to be a college student, right? right. Yeah, she's uh, just done with her first year of college, and they're, like, and Usnavi's, like, I'm almost 30 now. I mean, it's, like, then why is there a lyric in one song that, like, you'd bring your radio to come hang out with them? You know, it's you're like 28 and they're 18. Yeah, you know, it's not a huge criticism of the movie necessarily, but I'm curious what you thought about it, Daniel, as far as, like, uh, just uh, kind of how they sold us the movie sold us on him wanting to go back to the dominican because it made his life look pretty cool in my opinion uh he he runs his own business he makes enough money to like buy land in foreign countries and if he wants to he can just shut that business down at four o'clock on a friday to like go hang out at a pool and i'm like this, um, this seems like a pretty good life you got there and uh you don't know anyone in the dominican besides the fact that like you have some nice memories from there from when you were younger so i mean look i i, I enjoyed the movie and i enjoyed watching him and i was like man i don't really I, I spent the whole time being like man you're kind of a dummy it seems like you got it pretty good here <laughs> yeah look here's the thing i gotta make clear make a clarification here i'm 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 a i'm a brazilian dude right afro brazilian dude um but I didn't really grow up enmeshed in that culture, really. I grew up in the fucking suburbs, man. And I didn't. I grew up in the suburbs. I didn't. I don't. I don't have any connection to like a like an urban community of Brazilian or Latino people or anything like that. I'm a. I don't even fucking speak Portuguese. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So it's hard. For, it, it's. A, I'm watching this almost as separated out from what I'm seeing unfold as you guys. I'm gonna sure. be real with. You. Um, that being said, I do think that. Uh, I, this movie doesn't have the same sort of like insidiousness that I saw in Hamilton, <laughs> but I do think that there is, I don't know, a bit of a muddling of message here uh, in terms of how it portrays people's relationship with, you know, uh, their neighborhood and the cultures that they come from and such. So like, I think what you're talking about with Navi's um, relationship with the Dominican Republic is an example, um, because I think him leaving is meant to be kind of tied into this larger point about gentrification and reclamation of, you know, the cultural identity here. But, you know, it, 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 it gets a little muddled because like you said, he seems to have a pretty good life over here. Uh, you know, he seems to love his community genuinely and doesn't seem to track that he would be, although I know that this is actually a thing, uh, especially in the Dominican community of like, you know, coming here working a bit and then going back to you know uh you know start a business back home uh, um i see yeah i'm 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 an ignorant gringo i didn't know that <laughs> yeah i mean it is a thing 
but I don't know. Like then you get the gentrification angle where I don't even know what it's trying to say. Is it trying to say that like there's a there's a big dance number toward the end when all the uh, when the salon girls are leaving for their new location? I guess downtown, uptown. I don't know much about New York, mm-hmm. and uh, like th- there's two characters who are like, "Why are you guys celebrating?" Like this block is dying uh, due to gentrification. And I think the message ends up being, well, yeah, so let's celebrate it. And I'm like, wait, that's your message? That's the ultimate message? That's the heart of this movie? That, yeah, these white people are coming in and ruining our our cultural heritage, so let's just celebrate while they fucking do it? What the fuck is that? That's a weird fucking message to speak to. And again, you know, I'm not... You know, I didn't grow up in that neighborhood and no shit like that. So it's not like I'm going to, you know, go too hard on it. But, you know, it, it ends up I watching it at home. I mean, in the theater, not having a part of this experience, really. I'm left kind of scratching my head as to what exactly you're trying to communicate. No, I can see I can kind of see how you say that. But at the same time, it sounds like you are acknowledging that you do think the priorities are in the right place. Like, you know, it's just maybe not. It's just, like you said, or already said, it's biting off more than it can chew. So maybe you're not taking, it's hard to take in exactly everything yeah, they're trying to I get don't across. Know, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know that it's a issue of perspective, although, you know, I, I genuinely, even though I'll give him some credit for the music and all that, I don't trust Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, <laughs> I do think he's like a Tio Juan kind of figure who like tap dances for white liberals. And this would be in line with that like his like don't worry be happy message with gentrification it would be in keeping with how i see him but like and you know i don't know if we we need to get into the colorism conversation in a little bit but also yeah like you said like i said this movie is kind of overstuffed with a bunch of different plot lines so it's very possible that rather than you know some kind of like you know insidious psyop message about gentrification that it literally is just a case of not having enough time to really focus on uh, the issues at hand. Yeah, there's um, Sonny's verse in 96,000. He even specifically mentions gentrification, and they're talking about trying to teach the kids and stuff and uh, getting computers and wireless web browsing, the, um, teach them about gentrification, the rent is escalating. Uh, you know, like they're talking about that kind of stuff, and having Sonny say that, he's the, you know, you he, he learn he's a dreamer, and I respect that we actually, like, you know, I don't know if there's. I'm sure there is some pop culture out there that depicts dreamers in different ways. I, I just haven't consumed a lot of it myself, so I like that they kind of showed how full of a life you can lead, but then still be limited in some other ways. And by having him like kind of be the one on that verse, I think I don't know. I, I trust that the movie's like not like yeah. Don't worry about the gentrification; it's going to be okay. I, I I never really got that vibe. I kind of got where no, it was I coming from. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go so far as to say trust. Um, I accept that it's a possibility. Fair, sure, sure. But, like, I guess it, it was just, I kind of got what they were trying to say, but even I kind of agree. Like, look, the, the protest scene, it's just like, oh, okay, we're doing this now. And it is a little bit of a vehicle for uh, for Nina to, like, decide she knows what she's going to do with her life. So I get it. Yeah, like That's that, one of those, yeah, that was a moment that really didn't sit well with me, to be honest. That, that's also, if I remember, that's not in the musical. That's a movie edition. Interesting. Yeah, that tracks. That tracks. Because, I mean, Dreamers weren't a thing in 2005. This musical came out in 2005, right? Yeah. 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 Or, well, yeah. It, I think they did their first, like, readings and stuff in 2005. I think it went on Broadway in, like, 08-ish. So it would have been probably around the time, like, Obama took office. And, yeah. Well, yeah. So, yeah. But, but, yeah. But, right. Right. Yeah. So you're uh, – no, I, I, I got you guys on that. And I – it's just – you know – I don't disagree with Daniel on that. I mean, as far as just, you know, 
it clearly had a lot of things on its mind and you know it, it tried to do a lot so i mean i guess i i kind of respect that but at the same time you know it, when, when you have that long of a movie with that many characters and uh that many priorities where you're trying to tell you know more individualized stories about like these people and their relationship with this place uh you know commentary on society at large it's you can weave it in some, but maybe it's like going to be hard to, at the same time, just give it all of the time it deserves to like fully flesh out everything you want to say. Acknowledging all of that, like the possibility that mm-hmm. this is just a case of, you know, too too many too many eggs in one basket or something. Um, this is where we get into the colorism thing, and this is where I'm sort of like, all right, this I think kind of it kind of reveals, shows his hand a little bit. Hmm. Um, you're aware of the controversy. Well, yeah. So I guess it's, it, and he even had Lin Manuel. Oh, Jesus Christ! Uh, Lin <laughs> Manuel Miranda actually even had to come out and make a statement about the fact that like there just was not a lot of Afro Latina representation in this movie. Um, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, Daniel, because I think I'd heard about that before I saw it. I think I'd heard about this a little bit before I saw it, but then you know, I, th- this is again, I'm. I'm 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 wholly unqualified to really talk about this and what qualifies as what, but I guess when I was watching it, I, I don't know if this sounds dumb, Daniel. I kind of thought the, the I, I should Jimmy Smith is playing her dad, but I kind of thought Nina looked like at least half black. Did, did she strike you as like a white Latin character? Uh, yeah, I don't know her descent, but my thing is, and she is Dominican. I know that, but um, I, as far as I know, I haven't actually read any of the think pieces. Oh, okay, so I'm real with you, but um, as far as I know, like. Washington Heights is a primarily Dominican neighborhood. Dominicans are a lot of them are black. Mm-hmm. It's uh and Washington Heights is a very black Dominican neighborhood. There's a, a huge black Dominican presence there. Um there's a controversy within. You don't know. I guess I guess I'm teach, learning y'all white people a little bit of something here. Please. Um like in the Dominican community there is like this thing where like Dominicans just refuse to accept any part of blackness i think it's largely this is true in a lot of latin communities but it's especially uh prevalent in uh in dominican community like you know they refuse to admit that they're black um or that they have any sort of african descent even though there is a large portion of uh dominicans with a large portion of african heritage wait so you mean Um, you mean dominicans with black skin or when you say that is that is that you're referring to okay okay because i mean again I, yeah, they will look. They will. Like, I, I, there's, there's this one meme video that went around a little <laughs> bit of this guy in an interview saying, like, yeah, you talk to a Dominican, and they'll look black like me. It's a black dude. And he's like, oh, they'll okay. look black like me, and they'll be like, no, 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 no black, no negro, no negro. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know what you're saying. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, the controversy of this movie is like a lot of these people, like, you know, that's not their skin color. So I wasn't sure what you. Were, I wasn't exactly sure what you were saying there, but that, that that's interesting. Yeah, and so uh, I think this movie has caught heat for not having, you know, like the neighborhood looks kind of, it's kind of pan uh, Hispanic, but like with a very small percentage of Afro, like dark skin Afro Latino people. Hmm. Um, like the only black character I, I can remember, at least, and black named character is Corey Hawkins, who is the one who is not Hispanic. Um, yeah, and and that was the other thing. As I was watching it, like I guess it was called Benny, and like I don't even know if he has a, if he's given a last name. So I was like, it, it, and people and people had said, oh, there wasn't any Afro Latina representation amongst like the main cast, and I was like, I know his name is Corey Hawkins. I know like he's an African American man of African American descent, and I was like, am I supposed to think that this is like 
within the universe of this movie, am I supposed to think he's of Latin descent or not? Because like Adam said, they kind of cut out that part of the that storyline where her family was upset that he wasn't Latin. So I was like kind of mm. confused knowing what I knew about the controversy and then seeing you know, a black guy was somewhat uh, somewhat up there on the top billing. And I was like, wait, I, w- what is this guy's deal? Because again, I don't think they really developed him as a character as much as they could have. But even if they had, I guess that still wouldn't have addressed the main criticism. Yeah. Um, and what I mean to say, real talk, like, you know, I don't want to speak too, too much on this. Again, I'm not really enmeshed in like any kind of community, in a Brazilian community, in a Latin community or anything like that. But I do think that this does kind of play into, you know, my criticism of Lin-Manuel Miranda as an artist is that I do think that uh, he charters in kind of uh, performative surface level wokeness in order to appeal to a primarily white audience who doesn't really have any understanding of these issues. And so they lionize him for even bringing a modicum of this uh, to their attention, even though he it's the, the, the most surface level uh, examination of these kinds of issues uh, possible and he does whatever he can to make sure his audience remains comfortable um, and by his audience I mean his white audience fair I mean again I think Adam kind of agreed with me earlier when I said we're, we're not the ones to necessarily give the most analysis on this so I don't know if you have anything you want to add on that Adam based on uh, based on what you saw and what you'd, you you might have read about the controversy but I, I mean I, I have no reason not to say that like the critiques are fair and to his credit I think Lynn, Lynn came out and like you know, addressed it. But the fact is, if he grew up in that community, like, you know, it seems like you probably should have known yeah, to he knew, which yeah. is where I sort of was with with Hamilton in regards to his portrayal of slavery and how it did dealt with or didn't deal with slavery. You know, the this these people have been having to uh, come out and apologize for a lot of shit. Remember that um, the Pride Month tweet? Oh, oh yeah, that was. Uh, that oh, no, was not I, oh, I didn't I did not see that. Oh, they, they, they sent out a tweet like the Hamilton account, not Lin Memorial. Lin-Manuel Miranda, but the actual Hamilton account, was like, happy Pride, and it was like a, a line from um, Way Fort, where it's like, you know, love doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints, and it's like, really? really who are uh, the sinners? Who, who are the sinners? Who are the sinners, <laughs> who are yeah. the sinners in Pride Month, huh? Oh, God. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah. As far as, like, you know, the, the colorism debate, kind of similar to you, like, as a, you know, light-skinned Jew, uh, I feel like it's not my, I mean, it, the critiques are totally valid, and I kind of really it's more of in a listening position than a, in a being the one to critique, like being the one to critique because it's not my place, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not also not like in I, I don't live that, you know. That's not I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I I fully admit that it's something I don't know a ton about. I'm not fully enmeshed in that, so it's tough for me to like expand on the criticism of it because or have a I guess. Yeah, no, yeah, I got any, you. Any strong opinion of my own, just you know, listen to other people and see what they think. Yeah, and I, the, the other thing is, like, I, uh, and I, I know that, not that it really did much for you, but at least with respect to, like, you know, how it treated some of the slavery stuff in Hamilton, like, you know, you didn't necessarily think it worked, Daniel, but he could always say he's trying to be subversive in the casting, and that was one way he was trying to address oh, it. Where, no, 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 well, let's not relitigate Hamilton. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to relitigate it, I'm just saying... That was probably something he tried to do. Whether or not you agree that he did it well, you could always say like that was his aim in doing that. I don't whether he succeeded or not. We've already had that conversation here. It's like look, this you know, cast in a way that's more representative of the neighborhood you grew up in. I think it's like a a pretty easy thing, and he, there's not really a great response to that or something like that. Whereas just putting a different 
color to the face of the slave owners. I get it, but like you know, hey, maybe there's a different way you could have like addressed all that. So I know that that those are just it's you know it's its own things. It got addressed in uh, either way. What what did you guys think of the um, the Abuela character? I think that like uh, you know. People like were I think like very 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 uh, high on her and she's received a lot of praise from what I understand. That woman like I I I I want to say I actually enjoyed her song. Maybe like that moment that leads up to her death. I think I almost enjoyed that the most. I think it's called uh, Paciencia y Fe or something like that. Excuse me yeah. if I didn't get the pronunciation hundred percent right. It's a great. I can't help you with the pronunciation, son. Excuse me. I cannot help you with the pronunciation. A, I don't speak <laughs> Spanish. B, I don't speak Portuguese. So. Oh, God. So so one thing I thought about with the respect to the songs in this movie, and again, I get it. It's kind of going to be this, the case with any kind of musical that's going to have, you know, that's not 100% sung through. And, and again, this might also be a little bit uh, Lynn, Lynn, Lynn. This also might be a little bit Lynn manuel Miranda style. But, like, you know, I think a lot of these songs are broken up by their own, like, little, their own little interstitials or their own little, uh, hey, there'll just be this other kind of, like, more dialogue back and forth before you get back to the hook of the song or something like that and hers was like a sung through song that was done like really well and it obviously led into something really emotional and I, I that was done so well i almost get like you see the characters kind of reckoning with it i know uh adam said they cut a nina song that kind of talked about her death and i get it the movie's like already two hours and 20 something minutes like you don't want to wallow in the sad part for that long when she just had like a really beautiful number but i certainly enjoyed that i, I certainly enjoyed uh, her, her presence in the movie. That actress, uh, her, her name is uh, I had it right here a second ago. Olga Olga Marides. Uh, and I, I I just thought that that was like a very well done affecting moment where it felt like the movie slowed down in ways where it didn't in other points where it, like it kind of kept talking around the songs and I didn't feel like it really got into a hook like a lot of the Hamilton songs I actually think effectively really do. And with that song, I was like, all right, well I'm in this song and you're kind of sticking with her the whole time and kind of seeing interesting parts of New York going off on, on and off the subway. And I was like, I was really here for this number. And they gave her a great moment for a character that I thought was uh, very sweet. So uh, in spite of the fact that you didn't get that other song with Nina, uh, Adam, like, what, what did you think about how Abuela was portrayed? Well, one, I love Abuela Claudia. She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's great in the musical. Great. I thought, you know, Olga uh, Merendez, how you pronounce her last name, I thought she did a great job. Um, Paciencia y Fe is one of my favorite songs in the musical, and it's one of my favorite songs in the movie. Hmm. Uh, nitpick, again, little little tiny thing, it actually comes a lot earlier in the musical. It, it comes right after 96,000, and that's when you find out she has the winning ticket the whole time. Oh. Um, yeah. It comes it, it, right it, so it, it doesn't lead into her death? No, it comes oh. a lot earlier. Interesting. Um, so yeah, and then um, the song I mentioned that's called uh, Everything I Know is the one that they cut that I really like. Uh, it's kind of like, a, it's more... It's about Abuela Claudia. It's not about her death necessarily. It's about it's Nina singing about her, oh, and you okay. kind of learn more about her character in that song. So um, I'll read some of the lyrics, which I think are really good, because um, it kind of tells you like it expands more. Because they kind of tell you in the movie like, oh, she was the person who cared for all of us. We grew up with her, and they tell you that. Um, right. And this song kind of shows you like more about that. So like, uh, here's some of the lyrics from the song. Uh, every afternoon I came, she'd make sure I did my homework. She could barely write her name, but even so, she'd stare at the paper and tell me, Bueno, let's review. Why don't you tell me everything you know? In this album, there's a picture of Abuela in Havana. She's holding a rag doll, unsmiling, black and white. I wonder what she's thinking. Does she know that she'll be leaving for a city on a cold, dark night? And on the day they ran, did she dream of endless summer? Did her mother have a plan, or did they just go? 
Did somebody sit her down and say, Claudio, get ready to leave behind everything you know? Um, and then the one bit that always gets me, because it reminds me of my mom, uh, is in this folder there's a picture from my high school graduation with the program in condition and a star beside my name. Here's a picture of my parents that I left for California. She saved everything we gave her, every little scrap of paper. And our lives are in these boxes with, while the woman who held us is gone. But we go on. We grow. So hold tight, Abuela. If you're up there, I'll make you proud of everything I know. Thank you for everything I know. Wow. So, yeah. It's really nice. It kind of expanded her character a little bit. Like, I, I really wish they had included it in the movie because, like I said, it's my favorite song from the whole musical. But, uh, yeah, overall, really like the character a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what about you, Daniel? Yeah, I mean, I like most of the characters. Abuela, like, you know, like, I like the uh, the matriarch kind of tying the community together. Um, you know, me, I'm a, I'm a big fan of old people reconciling with their past. So I liked her musical number, you know, because it's taken her through her whole life's history. It makes me think about my grandmother, um, who was, you know, I don't, I, I didn't know her very well. Uh, she passed away earlier this year, but like, she was, you know, a maid who kind of, did what she could in order to, you know, give her daughter a good life. Uh, you know, so, I mean, I, I liked it. You know, it got me. And this is actually the moment where she, you know, passes on. And the last thing she sees is, like, the people she loves gathered together, you know, on a night like this. Like, it's a touching moment. This is where I think the movie really does operate, like, in the zone. Like, this is where... So you like that stretch with the blackout? Uh yeah I I well hmm, I uh, parts <laughs> of it parts of it I didn't like that like one of the one of the sore spots for me uh, in the movie is uh, Navi and Vanessa's relationship for multitude of reasons I just don't think they have very much chemistry or anything like that but um, then we get to the their confrontation and I don't I think the movie tries to position them both as kind of being wrong minded wrong headed but. Oh, no, I, I, I took it as him being I took it as him being yeah. an idiot for sure. Yeah, it's definitely just Navi being an idiot. I mean, I, I, I don't know, man. Like he never, I, we never get him. We never get him apologizing for that shit. Well, his, he, 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 essentially, his uh, grandmother died, so therefore she forgives him because that's how it. I mean, yeah, and then like the next going. time they have an argument, it's like the champagne song, and like she's. She's like sad that she didn't realize her feelings earlier, and I'm like, wait, bro, like she, this you're, dude was a piece of shit. He's a dude yeah. like scumbag. Like, what the, what are you well, talking I, about? Well, you're also in 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 the middle of that. But I guess the time. Well, first of all, yeah, you have Abuela Claudia dies, so that's a big emotional thing. And then she also finds out that he's the one who like got the co-signer for her apartment, so she could like live out. Yeah, I know. Like, I don't. It's not an apology, but it's like I guess you know, it's what it's. He did a nice thing. Okay, it's one of those things back, where, but... like, I, I I get you, but like, it's just one of those things that like just doesn't sit well for me. Um, like, bro was a, bro was acting like a real fucking. No, loser. yeah, it would have been nice. Yeah, they could have easily addressed that. I mean, I, I I don't disagree. Like, there there'd been some stuff where I understand how she would have thought she had feelings, but I mean, when you're when you're being just like total total asshole, like he was in that whole sequence right there, it's like he could have been like, yeah, maybe I should have like uh, not yelled at you for going to dance with a guy i told you to dance with like you know like, it, it, it's al- not that it also ma- it also makes more sense if the character is like 22 and not 29 that's also very <laughs> yeah. funny funny how aging up like, this reminds me of us when we were talking about um judas and the black messiah where we we're like yeah aging like the fact that that dude is 30 and the, and the man was like in his early 20s like really does kind of change the context of 
you know, all the interactions in that movie. And yeah, I guess this is, would be an example of that too. This is where Dawson casting bites you in the ass, man. I mean, as far as Juice Mac Messiah, I actually like uh, th- those actors are like, you know, Lakeith Stanfield's like about to turn 30 and Daniel Cooley is like a couple years older than that. Uh, but like Fred Hampton, like did not look 20. I mean, it's incredible that he was 20 given like the, just how, how brilliant of a speaker he was and, uh, and, and how much he accomplished in like his short time on the earth. But like that didn't bother me within the context of that movie, but I can kind of see like how, uh, how, how here it's like, yeah, you know, like, uh, that that's something like that's something like a 22 year old would totally do and it's like you should probably be mature that more mature than that if you're that old though at the same time there probably are some pretty dumbass 29 30 year olds which is the age range which are adam and i are and daniel's a little younger than us but not that much younger so i think we know plenty of stupid people our age so i've gotten yeah, to the point where i can Sorry, I've gotten to the point where I started referring to myself as I'm damn near thirty. <laughs> That's where I'm at. Well, so. Yeah, so I think I think in the musical, I don't remember. I googled it real quick, but um, it's I found a few different things that said he's supposed to be twenty four in the musical. Hmm. So it makes more again, it's a little bit older than twenty two ish, but like I feel like his character makes more sense as a younger person than as someone who's yeah, like a thirty year old man getting mad about that is like yeah that's 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 ridiculous and it's weird to have the movie kind of skate over it like i realize it's a musical and like it's you know they've got a lot of ground to cover but also also it's like dude you need to like realize how fucking lucky you are like you got this like beautiful (laughs) woman to go out with you just by like standing there like an idiot while your cousin's like hey you should you should go out with my your your child cousin yeah you should be got a date for you like bro Grow up. You're like <laughs> you're, up. you're standing there like a dummy with the stain on your shirt, and your like 15 year old cousin's like, "Please go out with my cousin," and that's how you got the date. <laughs> you need to like uh, try not to fuck that up, and uh, t- <laughs> totally, totally like a 21 year old move. The other side of that, again, we we say like I, I get what you're saying, Daniel. It's like a little weird that like it seems like Vanessa is almost like you know like realizing like she did kind of like wasn't appreciating him enough though at the same time that kind of like it kind of like ties into her story where like her kind of finding herself as a fashion designer and and kind of using uh, colors of that neighborhood to uh find her inspiration is something he ultimately sees something in uh and that kind of like gets you to the ending of the movie almost uh how, how did you feel about how the movie like you know gets to that point and kind of i uh Real, uh, lets you know, like, hey, we've been kind of tricking you with this uh, framing device, and here's what it actually is. Uh, did did it feel like a shortcut to you, or you like, oh, that's kind of clever? Uh, I mean, given that your overall feelings in the movie were slightly positive, I'm, gu- I'm guessing you weren't too turned off by the ending. Uh, I'm, I'm still kind of. That's one of those things where, like, I'm still kind of processing that one, the ending, because, like I said, I don't know how I feel about how this movie really addresses like the big issues. Um, regardless of whether that's because of um, LLM being a T.O. Juan or whether that's because this movie just has a lot of ground to cover. I'm, I'm still not sure. But, like, you know, I went into that scene, like, thinking the last, like, wait, is this movie, like, kind of pro-gentrification? But no, like, you know, the movie ends with them still in the Washington Heights. You know, I guess, I mean, we don't get a sense of whether the the lock has changed like this movie is like you know like it, it's positioned like a story tell like you know the, the framing device is positioning this whole thing as like a fairy tale we never actually get told when this movie takes place um i read something somewhere about how they got like um like old model subways or something 
to be used during the film. I don't even know, man. But, like, I don't know when this movie is supposed to take place. I don't know if this is a recent thing. I don't know if it's supposed to take place 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Well, again, I think, I, they're I think kinda... it's modern day. They talk about dreamers. I, they're, trying to be t- yeah. they're, they're trying to be topical. And at the end, that's his kid. And they, that, that, that's his daughter who's, like, you know, she's probably seven or eight years old. So, I mean, that the the, the, the latter part of it is probably supposed to Fair take enough. place in the... In, um, in the, the like, yeah, I, I do think the movie is trying to aim for, regardless of that, a bit of a timeless quality. And, you know, it's I'm not saying that, you know... Uh, it is somewhat like a uh, um, what's it called mm, a narrative device. Like I understand that, but um, you know because of how this you know because of how the play I mean the movie is positioned, uh, I'm I'm not. It's meant to take place a couple years ago. Like the events of what we're watching about the blackout and such. This took place years ago. Sure. And this is a community that was struggling with the onset of gentrification um and then the movie ends with like this yeah we stayed but i don't know if they stayed by like going along with the gentrifiers i don't know if the block changed i don't know ultimately did they fight against the gender was this like a stalwart against gentrification or was this just them adapting um what's his name sells his you know uh his business that you know was like a, a landmark in the community and I don't know what effect that has on that community. Like it kind of rushes at the very end of the movie, just forward in a way that like I don't even have a sense of what this movie is trying to say. Well, Vanessa opens her store. It seems like it's trying to imply that like she's going to sell her fashion designs like just out, out of, of the, out bodega, of the convenience out, out of, of a bodega. bodega. Yeah, and it's and like like yeah, but like you know like what's her name? The Stanford girl. Did she Nina. come back? Is she fighting for the dreamers? Um, what about the dad? I don't even know. Like, they didn't even well, show Well, the her. movie's already two and a half hours long. I get yeah, that you I can't understand. do everything. What I'm, what I'm, the point I'm trying to make, I'm not saying I needed to see all these things, but the point I'm trying to make here is that the ending is, I guess, sort of meant to be a reclamation of that block, but it doesn't, it, to me, it just doesn't feel like it because the block was more than just the relationship between these two people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like there's no mm, closure, I guess, on that. It kind of rushes ahead and tries to sell you on this idea that everything worked out yeah and i don't I, I don't know that that's earned sure i don't even know if they ever like tr- explicitly try and say the block is gone i feel like we're supposed to think it's on like on the verge of becoming something else because at least three times throughout the movie nina says let me listen to my block let me listen to my block and it's clear that she's still drawn to it in some way because she's like thinks she wants to leave stanford to go back there and it still has some character but there are other there. There could be more people like her leaving. There could be someone like Vanessa trying to get out of the neighborhood, and there could be someone like Usnavi trying to go back to the Dominican. So it's. I think we're led to believe like, look, th- there's the potential for a lot of people to leave and have this next generation of people that are going to be, you know, uh, making families here like go, and then that doesn't happen. So it's like, all right, well, here's what happens when they stay and do their thing. Is kind of how I how I took where I was going. Yeah, we don't see Nina, but at least we're no, we're, we're we're meant to believe that she's going to do something that's going to like help these kind of people in the community. So I, I, I guess I, I thought it ultimately ended on a pretty fitting note. What, what did you think, Adam? I kind of agree with Daniel. Like, it, the, it, throughout the movie, you're kind of, like, getting these... It's getting dropped in in between, like, you know, the romantic storylines. Like, hey, gentrification's happening. The block is changing. And then ultimately, like, Usnavu's decision to stay is not to save the block from gentrification. It's to, you know, have a romantic relationship with Vanessa for the most part. Um... 
I'll, I'll so grant I, that. Like, I do think there is an aspect of like, you know, he he realizes. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, there's yeah. that element. It's but true. It's true. You're right. But um, yeah, it's like it's not coherence. Not the right word. I guess it's not like they they kind of like I know Daniel doesn't you know thinks that a lot a lot of this stuff is surface level, and I kind of agree with that. Like, it's not the main message at the end of the movie that is like we have to stop gentrification. You know, this is bad for people. It's just like a mix of all these different kind of storylines coming to an end, and you don't really get a clear message of like this is why gentrification is bad, or this is what people should do to stop gentrification, or it's just kind of like a mix of all the stuff because it's a two and a half hour movie and they have to bring these storylines to a close. So mm -hmm. you don't get a lot of clarity on kind of where things stand. I, one thing I noticed is that there are in that last scene with like the fire hydrants and stuff, there are a lot, there are several white people in that scene, you know, standing mm -hmm. around the, around the block. So it's like, okay, is the block now more gentrified? Are there, you know, fewer people of color, more white people in the air, like you living there. Like it's, it's not clear. Like, is it that whether, yeah, like whether the character should just kind of like adapt to gentrification, should they fight against gentrification? Should they, you know, it, it's not clear because but they're trying to bring all these storylines to it, you know, tied up in a neat bow at the end of the movie. Yeah. And I should clarify that, like the reason I'm putting, I, like I said, my issues with this film really are more structural than they are about the messaging mm -hmm. of the movie or the soul of the movie, I suppose. But um, I think this is kind of important because so much of this movie, the best part of this movie is the community. It is how these people interact with each other. It is about the world that they created um, under a kind of duress. And to not have any closure on that world and to uh, end it on a note that kind of zeroes in on the relationship between... Uh, you know, a Navi and this neighborhood versus everybody and this neighborhood. Like, I don't know. Like, it does, it leaves me kind of cold. Like, I, for a movie that ended after two and a half hours, um, I shouldn't be looking at the credits rolling going, wait, that was it? You know, yeah. that shouldn't be the my final feeling, uh, you know, as the credits roll. I'm sorry. Fair. I think, I think I come down on the, I guess, just the side of like, yeah, they probably could have like, delved into like all this stuff a, a lot more and you know maybe there's a way to like cut some of the fat from this movie and then have, have addressed all that stuff more like but on the whole i guess i i still had a fun enough time watching it though i just i don't know maybe i would have preferred to like get a little more out of the songs if you know if, if i'm not going to necessarily have like the full entire message come through the least you can do is give me a few more uh bangers uh adam any other final thoughts on the movie anything we didn't touch on any other favorite se dance sequences we didn't talk about or any other funny character moments i i feel like there's plenty of odds and ends in a movie this long that we didn't touch on but i i, I just want to give you a chance to talk about anything that we didn't get to that you uh particularly enjoyed mm -hmm. um yeah one yeah like i really enjoyed the choreography for most of this movie i thought the pool scene especially was really good yeah. um it was just it was fun to watch uh, i really did like that there are also a lot of really cool cameos in this movie um the big one, if you want to call it a cameo, he's in a couple scenes, is Lin-Manuel Miranda playing uh, the uh, Piragua guy, the Piragua vendor, um, which he definitely hams it up, but that's because he's a ham. The other one that I really enjoyed is that you had Christopher Jackson, who uh, played George Washington in right. Hamilton and played Benny. He originated the character of Benny on Broadway. Mm. Uh, yeah, he plays the Mr. Softy man. 
so that's fun. Uh, I just really enjoy Christopher Jackson in general. One cameo but, that was like uh, I, that I didn't even realize as it was happening was that Mark Anthony plays yeah. uh, plays Sonny's dad, who like I because like Daniel, I don't know a whole lot about Latin music, so I know his music was big at some point, but he's like almost more known for being married to Jennifer Lopez for ten years, and I was like. Oh, that was him. I guess he's an actor. And then I looked and he like hadn't acted in anything in like 15 years. I mean, for what they wanted from that character to seem like kind of kind of apathetic and someone who like Sonny could obviously just basically do whatever he wanted to because the guy just uh, wasn't really that, you know, attentive of a dad. Like he it was small, but like I thought he did. I thought he did that well. And that was just like that mm-hmm. was like a very random cameo that I didn't realize was actually him till earlier today. Yeah. And then there's some other cool ones, too. Um a few of the original Broadway cast members got either, you know, cameos or background vocals like uh, Javier Munoz, who took over for uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda in Hamilton when he left uh, the cast, uh, gets a cameo. I don't remember who, though. Uh, Mandy Gonzalez, who I think originated Nina on Broadway, uh, gets background vocals. Uh, Patrick Page, who is a very, very famous um, Broadway actor, uh, done a lot of Shakespeare stuff, plays um, Hades in Town. That's the current massive musical if you haven't listened to that or heard of that hmm. uh, he plays the character of hades and hades down he plays um the the dry cleaner in this movie oh. uh, the gentrifier uh and then i'm looking right now npr journalist uh, maria inahosa played the protest leader at the dreamer rally um for a moment i'm not gonna lie for a moment i thought it was um kamala harris and i got so mad <laughs> <laughs> That would have been, I think, uh, peak liberalism. Yeah. Actually, the peak liberalism in this movie was at one moment there. Uh, one moment they, they uh, while he's talking to the kids, he asks him to list off a bunch of, you know, Latin American figures. They list oh, off yes. a bunch of Latin American figures, and at the end, the daughter says, "And Sonia Sotomayor." Yep. And like, <laughs> you get a mural of her, and right next to it, boss. And I'm like, really doing a girl boss shit with the fucking <laughs> Supreme Court. Man, I, I, I said fuck you out loud oh, in the yeah. theater. <laughs> oh, man. I'll admit there's one audio, I guess, cameo. There's one little that I, I'll admit I have to say, you know, I kind of liked even though I, I don't like the music. Um, there's a moment where um, the father, uh, uh, Jimmy Smith, is on the phone with Stanford and he's yes. you know, on yep. hold and they're playing like a Muzak version of one of the Hamilton songs. Yeah, and I was like, All right, uh, I'll give credit. That's kind of. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of clever. I, I'll gotta grant you that. Yeah, and uh, also uh, the kid Mero, it plays or he voices the DJ at the very start of the movie. That's another cameo. I missed that. Uh, that's uh, Mero and uh, Mero and uh, Jesus, right? Yeah. Yeah. Never well, a fan of that one. <laughs> you don't. You're not a fan <laughs> of Jesus and Mero. Yeah, I never really got into it. Mm. Um, I have friends who are into it. I tried watching it. I don't like them. I don't know what it is. Oh man. Okay. Um, not for everyone. Yeah. But, yeah. Those are. Those are some of the things that I like, you know, just like little things that like I know you guys aren't, you know, really big musical fans. Definitely not. I know Daniel's not a big, you know, Limbo Miranda content fan. So just um, <laughs> a couple of things that, you know, I picked up on that were fun and I enjoyed, you know, it's like cool saying like like when Christopher Jackson appeared as Mr. Soft, the Mr. Softy man, I was like I was like the Leo DiCaprio me and the you can't this is an audio an yeah. uh, medium, but you can't say I'm doing the Leo DiCaprio pointing me uh, from the thing from once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys might not have caught all of it. No, no, I I, I, I missed a lot of those Easter eggs. So I, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you running through them. Uh, Daniel, anything else you want to touch on? And whether it be anything else you want to, any other slander you want to throw out there, or uh, <laughs> anything else you actually like that I've, I, you neglected to mention? 
Yeah, look, I, I, if I sounded like I was getting a little hard on it, like, I really didn't mean to. Like, I, I think this movie does stumble a decent amount, but, like, ultimately, I did think it was for most I was more. I was more afraid of you saying you wanted to begrudgingly uh, call... Uh, uh, begrudgingly give Lynn credit, but then you just called him an uh, like a uh, 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 what was it? What's the term? Uncle Tio or whatever? Throughout like the Tio Juan. That's, that's the one that I came up with. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I, I didn't. I, I didn't know that was a that was a Daniel uh, coin. Oh, that's, that, yeah, I coined as far as, I, as far as I know, I coined it. It can't be an Uncle Tom. <laughs> but no, but, but no, um, no. Feel free to say whatever you want. I, I was. I just got a kick out of you just uh, you calling him your uh, derisive name, despite saying you wanted to give him credit. <laughs> yeah, I mean the credit goes to honestly the fact that you know ultimately I think that this does work mm-hmm. um i think that you know the the touches of community and like you know like that stuff does resonate with me um i do like the i mean i'm not listening to the soundtrack on my way to work <laughs> but i do generally like the music um i think that there's a lot of a lot going on there that i actually kind of respect mm. um and I, I do like all the, you know, the visual aspects. I honestly kind of wish that there was a little, I don't know, I wish there was a little more with some of them, like the champagne one, like, you know, it's just them kind of singing in a room. Uh, and then you get a couple of those. And I don't ever like, I want to, I want to dance number. Give me, give me someone dancing on the walls and shit. Like, that's what I want to see. That, they, 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 the, they, the, scene, the scene at the end with the, uh, when the sun goes down where they're dancing and the camera sh- angle shifting and they're dancing on like the side of the building that gave me. Yeah, yeah I mentioned that. Attack. That's like, that, that was a real a, highlight. It was, uh, it was cool. But like at first when like Corey Hawkins leans over the edge, I'm like, I'm having a panic attack. I hate heights. So I'm like, what the <laughs> I, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, that was cool how they shot that. And like, they, they, I mean, I don't know if that was actually like CGI in the background or they actually were somehow oh, yeah, able to use natural light. Yeah, you could tell. Yeah, you could tell that's a green screen. It looked a little bit like a green screen. Yeah, but I, I still thought it looked nice. Mm. Yeah, no, I did generally quite like the movie. Well, quite like. I did generally like the movie. It's all relative, um, but yes, it means a lot. Yeah, coming it's relative, from but like you know, it's not what I. It's not anyone who knows me. Anyone who listened to that Hamilton episode knows it's not what one would expect from me going into that movie. And you know, the fact that I did rather enjoy it, I guess, really does speak to something. Yeah, for sure. Um, I. I've already pretty well kind of given all my overall thoughts, but I wanted to kind of give you guys a chance to uh, uh, top it off with any of your other odds and ends. So I appreciate you guys uh, chiming in, but I think I think I think we probably uh, we we'd all recommend it, which I didn't even necessarily expect to hear from Daniel that he was going to be this positive. So I think it's uh, definitely worth uh, at least checking out this movie. It's a I think it's a good summer movie too. I mean, just I think I think the vibes are are, are good for that. If you're just if you, if you want to, yeah, I like a, I like a movie where it's like it's a really hot day. It's mm-hmm. a really hot day. Oh, oh you can, can I, feel the heat. I like that. I have one nitpick about that, and me and my fiance Kayla have been going back, like just keep making fun of this stuff. It says like 106 degrees, three days since blackout, and freaking Usnavi is standing out here in skinny jeans. I'm like, okay, what actually, I made it. I was like, look, I saw that, and I was like, look, sometimes you just gotta stay fresh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. You know, he had some good fits. He had some good fits going. I'd say, uh, but I. But yeah, uh, I mean, I'm surprised I didn't pick up on that because I freaking hate the heat. Uh, and uh, uh, but but and I mean, I'm I'm I, I mean, I, I'm just like I can't wear long pants when it's more than 90 degrees. I just can't. Uh, and like I just got back from a trip to Los Angeles, and like the weather is better there, and it's not as hot and humid and all that as Florida. But there were still people like wearing jeans outside on days where it was like 
at least it got into the 90s a couple times. I had bad luck with when I visited. Apparently, it was a heat wave. But I'm like, how do you people doing this? I, I don't get it. Like, I get wearing jeans at night, but not in the middle of the day when it's in the 90s. Uh, I have been meaning to get, like, a lightweight. I know that there's, like, a jean, a kind of jeans that's, like, lightweight, tropical weight or some, something like that. I kind of want to look into that because I like wearing pants um, generally. I prefer wearing pants to shorts. I just hate doing it when it's, you know, 90 degrees in Florida. Gotcha. Yeah. Daniel, uh, before we sign off, anything else you want to plug that you've been watching recently? Oh, well, you know, honestly, I haven't been really... I feel like I did just finish something. I finished the Perry Mason series recently, which, you know, ultimately I did mostly enjoy. But honestly, real talk, the thing I've been mostly doing is listening to music. So um, uh, if y'all, you know, haven't heard, you know, The Off Season, the new J. Cole album, I did really enjoy that. Um, the Lloyd Banks album, actually, I never thought I'd be saying this, but the Lloyd Banks album, fucking great. Like, I really did quite like that. He's got, like, features from, like, the Griselda guys and Ransom and shit. Um, do highly recommend that. And, I mean, hey, if we're talking about, uh, you know, we're talking about this movie all about Dominican culture and shit, like, you know, Don Q, guys, Don Q, underrated rapper. Uh, his 2016 album, I still play that shit constantly. I think it's Corner Stories Reloaded. Highly recommend. Adam, does uh, Melody have anything she's been watching recently she'd like to she talk has, this she has, lo- she has lots of opinions. Um, she, she was due to make her appearance. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, things that I've been watching, um, I'm slowly but surely making my way through The Crown. Um, I go through a stretch where I don't watch it for like three or four weeks, and then I'll watch it a couple episodes and then not touch it again for three or four weeks. But I'm about halfway through season four. Uh, Prince Charles kind of sucks. Sorry, really sucks. He does really um, suck. Yeah, he's terrible. Um, the royal family is monstrous, and yeah, they just suck in general. Um, but the show was good. The show was entertaining. And then uh, we were talking about this before the podcast. Uh, I binge-watched uh, this TV series, a Netflix series, uh, Dairy Girls, in about 24 hours. Uh, it's only 12. Before I sound like a, a monster who doesn't do anything during the day, it's only four hours total of content because... It's only 12 episodes, and they're like 25-minute episodes. But that is fantastic. I highly recommend both of those shows, especially Dairy Girls, because it's hilarious. And I'm also – I've been on a Northern Ireland Troubles binge, mm. I guess, where I'm like consuming a lot of content about that. I find it, I, I find I, it binge has a connotation of like I'm consuming fun content or like yeah, content no, I'm really enjoying. I mean, it's like what level of enjoyment do you get learning about the Troubles, you know? It's extre- I find it extremely interesting. No, I got gotcha. you. Um, yeah, no, I read a book called Say Nothing, which is about um, the IRA, which is fantastic. Uh, I watched a couple movies about it, like uh, uh, The Crying Game. I watched that for the first time. That was really good. Everybody uh, knows about The Crying Game. Mm-hmm. I've actually never seen and, The Crying Game, but like when I went on a trip with my family to uh, England, uh, Scotland, and Ireland uh, five years ago, and like I thought learning about – like we got like a really big – uh, history lesson when we went on a tour of Belfast, and I'm like, that was like the most interesting part of my trip. So yeah, yeah, so yeah, I watched the Crying Game, which is really good. Recommend that. Um, I watched a movie called Bloody Sunday, which was good. Um, watched a movie called Seventy One, which is all about a British soldier. Ah, uh, Seventy One. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, that movie fucks. I like that movie. Yeah, it was. Oh, I really like that one. A, well, that stars that one kid. What's his name? It's like Jack Jack O'Connell, I think. I think so. Let me look it up. But yeah, and yeah, that's the guy who did. Good. Yeah, and he went end up doing White Boy Rick, which I still haven't seen. Yeah, Jack O'Connell. Yeah, there you go. He was on Skins season mm. one. I would recommend that if you like teen stuff. Hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely check, it check it out. But yeah, like, like I said, really interested in all these stuff about the troubles right now. Uh, I find Have it very Patriot game. 
No, I haven't. I'm not super uh, into like I'm not super into like Tom Clancy stuff. Um, I've watched mm-hmm. some of All Fears a hundred times. I, think <laughs> I enjoy that, but other than that, like I've seen the Hunt for Hunt for Red October like once, and that's about it. Mm, but I just I actually coincidentally saw Patriot Games like two days ago because I I I saw that like on Letterboxd that I just needed to see that and then I'd get another collection added to my stats page and I was like all right well here we go and you know what pretty good um I thought that it was actually one of the better Tom Clancy movies that I've seen I'll just check it out then all right mm. my recommendation and I appreciate those Adam I'm I'm, I'm going to check out Dairy Girls because Adam was telling me about it before, and I've heard a lot of people say it's good. My recommendation is uh, um, something I've gotten really into just the last two weeks. I don't know if either of you have Apple TV+. Plus. I've been really getting into For All Mankind, which is the Apple TV show about the uh, the alternate universe where in which the Russians beat us to the moon, and but NASA like goes far and beyond where it ever actually went with respect to its exploration of the moon. and. Uh, the astronauts that are in the program and the engineers that are there. And uh, I'm only three episodes into season two, which is the most recent season, which, you know, was even more well-received than season one. And I, I didn't even watch season one when it came out because I didn't know about it really. And the first few months season two was out. I just heard how much of a slog season one was before it got good. But I, I really enjoyed season one when I finally gave it a shot. So uh, just, uh, just really, really interesting and uh, really smart. And I, I've been a bit worn out on space stuff. You know, there's just been so many movies set in space the last five years. I've been getting kind of tired of it. But I, I just kind of figured, why not? I'm paying for Apple TV Plus. I haven't really had anything new to watch on it in a while. I should at least try it and i'm really glad i did so um you know i think another thing i was kind of biased against it for was that like the lead actor on it's joel kinnaman who you know played like a really kind of boring politician in like season four of house of cards and was in suicide squad and i hadn't seen anything else he did uh so but oh, he, well he was in altered carbon i didn't watch altered carbon yeah okay. yeah he sucked in it too oh okay so, so i think <laughs> yeah, it was part of why i was also sort of watching like you know he's good there's a really interesting cast they have a lot of really 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 interesting uh uh women astronauts and i think it makes a smart choice where it doesn't make it all about like the sexism that they probably would have encountered if there was that big of a female astronaut program in the 60s it just like it just kind of skips over that and i mean which i mean look i think anyone kind of knows what what the case would be but it just kind of jumps into like making them really good astronauts and uh respected oh, by the male colleagues Ronald D. Moore movie, I mean, show, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's the guy who did Battlestar Galactica. Ah, okay. I've never watched Battlestar Galactica. Uh, but uh, I, that's a good one. But yeah, highly recommend for all mankind. If even if you're not that into space stuff, I'm not that into space stuff, and I I really found it interesting, and it's really obviously very uh, put a lot of money into it, and it looks really good, and acting's really good, and a lot of really good characters that they've just grown over from season one to season two. So highly recommend that. Uh, thanks again to Adam and Daniel for joining. Uh, Daniel might be back with us in the next couple of weeks. I might try and reconvene him and Fred to talk about F nine. Because uh, they yeah. they were kind of our fast my Fast and Furious correspondents for Hobbs and Shaw, uh, I'm sure Adam will be back at some point in the summer as well. Coming up next, we might actually have an episode on the new Edgar Wright documentary, The Sparks Brothers, which I saw last week and my my friend Graham saw, and he might join to talk about it. And uh, I'm sure the F9 podcast will follow soon after. So everyone, stay tuned for that. Thanks again to Daniel and Adam, and we'll see you next time.